0: Just because he graduated WVU doesn't mean he's educated, but he does know sports. It's Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 a.m. and now at 106.3 FM. Today is the day before the day that I leave to go to the beach. Which means I don't care at all 7 o'clock is going to come Whether the show is good or not It's with that kind of passion That I will lead you In and out of sports takes For the next three hours You found the Crowley Show Where your mom listens And you should too 412-922-2874 Is the number to call Or you can join the cast of dozens And follow me on Twitter At underscore Adam Crowley You want to talk about Last night's Pirates game? There wasn't one what the hell is there to talk about? They're playing tonight. Should we do an intense three-hour preview? No, nah, I don't think so. Should we talk about Lionel Messi and his club Argentina not winning a game in the two games they've played in the World Cup? No, probably not. Although, my God, what a disappointment. Messi hasn't scored a goal. They might not make it through. In fact, it looks like they won't make it through. Whoa. Whoa! Ronaldo is the best player in the game. Suck on that Messi. I bet you Messi's in the MLS in the next three years. Career over. You see, Taylor Hall won the MVP last night, the Hart Trophy in the National Hockey League. I think Malkin deserved the MVP as much as Hall. I do. I do. Let me explain. The Penguins made the playoffs by four points. That's just two wins. The Devils made the playoffs by one point. Taylor Hall was by far the best player on the Devils, and without him, they don't make the playoffs, period. But I don't think many people realize just how close the Penguins were to not making the playoffs this year. Without Malkin, Penguins don't make it. Now, I don't want to be seen as the guy who's a homer or a guy who's discrediting Taylor Hall's MVP campaign. In fact, I'm not arguing that Malkin should have won the award. I'm just stating that he could have, and he probably should have finished ahead of seventh, which is where he fell in the pecking order. The argument for him, as far as I'm concerned, is similar to the argument that people were putting out there for Hall. Hall was 6th in the league in scoring, he had 39 goals and 93 points. Malkin had 42 and 98. Hmm. So the numbers were similar, but Malkins were better. Objective fact. The argument is that without Hall, the Devils would have been on the outside looking in with the Panthers in the playoffs instead. But without the second half that of getting Malkin put together, the Penguins wouldn't have made the playoffs either. If the Devils don't make it, nobody outside of Newark blinks an eye. Who cares? They didn't have expectations. If the Penguins don't make it after back-to-back cup championships, well, then there's an issue. Malkin put the Penguins on his back as much as Taylor Hall put the Devils on his back. Penguins' power play was the best it's ever been in franchise history. If it wasn't, the Penguins don't make the playoffs. Period. Malkin had 14 goals. He had 38 power play points. He was... Huge in that regard, obviously. Without his production, the Penguins would have been lost, just like the Devils without Taylor Hall. And there's this. Malkin did have a slightly better year. I'm not saying he deserved it more than Hall. That trophy belongs with him in New Jersey, but both teams would not have made the playoffs without their best player playing that way this year. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Rob Rossi votes on the NHL awards. He'll join us at four twenty. We've got an exciting announcement to make. Then too, big time announcement. Shooting off fireworks for the announcement. Tom, get the fireworks audio in the system, please. Okay, very good. I don't really want to spend much time saying that if Malkin deserves to win the Hart Trophy, I don't want to really take all that much time out of the show and. Seem like I'm discrediting Taylor Hall. Because that's not what this is about. But it was a way for me to get to this take. Phil Kessel has a similar argument. Taylor Hall had 93 points. Phil Kessel had 92. I have a lukewarm take about Phil Kessel. I love the player. Pens don't win the cup without him in either year. If they keep him good, he scored 92 points. But if they don't, it's fine. I trust Jim Rutherford. Bam. Lukewarm take. But the Pens need to be careful if they do move him. Again, the Penguins weren't a slam dunk playoff team last year. The Penguins weren't a team that dominated in the regular season. The Penguins did not live up to their talent level over the course of the regular season. And if the same is to be said this year, then without Phil Kessel, maybe they don't just toe the line. Maybe they miss the playoffs altogether. Now, that's extreme and unlikely. But it almost happened last year, and who's to say it can't happen next year? I think that the entire conference is getting better. Washington just won the Stanley Cup. They're probably going to be partying their asses off so much this summer that they're not going to be a contender next year. I joke, I kid. They'll be back. Columbus, if they keep Artemi Panarin, they'll be back. Philadelphia is only going to get better. They're going to continue to add. New Jersey's only going to get better. You know Ray is not going to rest on his laurels. They're only going to get better. The Panthers just added Hoffman, and they missed the playoffs by a whopping one point last year. Tampa Bay's a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. I thought Boston was a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Toronto is a legit Stanley Cup contender. The conference is stacked. If Tavares goes back to the Islanders, and they were to say pull a trade for Philip Grubauer with Barry Trotz in the fold, you're talking about a bear of a conference, a bitch of a conference, a labyrinth. Which means that if you're missing 92 points from Phil Kessel, if you're missing 40 power play points from Phil Kessel, you might not make it. Again, I think if the Penguins do trade Phil, they will have a good reason to. It won't just be to free up salary cap space. It'll be because the return makes the deal one that the Penguins feel like they've won. But it's a difficult thing for me to wrap my head around because of the way that I saw Phil play last year. The Penguins don't make the playoffs without the power play. They don't. They were not a good five-on-five team last year. They were the best power play in franchise history, and it all ran through Phil Kessel. I mean, Malkin, Crosby, Hornquist, they're all excellent on the power play to a point. But it went through Phil Kessel. Without him, power play's not as good. Power play's not as good. Maybe you miss out on those four points that carry you in the playoffs this year. With that, I won't be here tomorrow, so do you want the Penguins to trade Phil Kessel? Are you interested in change for change's sake? Do you think it's become too big of an issue with Mike Sullivan and the American hero, Phil Kessel, 412 at underscore Adam Crowley on twitter.com. There's a report out there now that Martavis Bryant did not fail a drug test or miss a drug test and will not be suspended for the 2018-2019 NFL football season. I hope that's true. I'm one of the only media guys, I think, in town that does not want to see bad things happen to Martavis Bryant. And I'm not talking about beat writers, guys like that, but it seems like every radio host goes out of their way to just take shots at the dude. It makes me sad when anybody doesn't live up to their potential, and Martavis Bryant certainly has not lived up to his potential. Martavis Bryant has left so much money on the table. And if he had never been suspended, the Steelers would have been in an interesting spot. Would they have paid him? Would they have paid Le'Veon Bell? Would they have offered Le'Veon Bell the contract that they offered him? Or would they have offered something similar to Martavis Bryant? If the guy had never been suspended, he would be one of the top touchdown catchers in the entire league. So he's already left a bunch on the table. But this just makes me sick that for days... Martavis Bryant had his character assaulted, and we talked about it here on the show, but we talked about it in a very similar sense to the way I'm talking about it now. I felt bad for him, and I also thought the Steelers fleeced Oakland in the deal. It's still a good deal for the Steelers. You perhaps get the quarterback of the future, and you get yourself a wide receiver who's going to be here for the next four to five years, as opposed to the one year that they were going to get from Martavis Bryant. It would have been an absolute fleecing had he gotten suspended again. But how does something like that get out whenever it's not the case? Now, at this point, there's a lot of he said, she said. At this point, it's one report going up against another report. But I'd like to believe he's clean. And when he came back last year, I said he's got to be clean. He had been clean for a year. He had a family. He sounded different apart from the, him wanting to get traded rumors, and not-so-rumors, but requests. I don't think Martavis Bryant didn't have a point last year either. I don't know how supported he felt by the Steelers. And yeah, I know that he had been reached out to by teammates, and I know that by them taking him back and allowing him to play, that shows a little bit of faith, but... He did not love the relationship that he and Ben Roethlisberger had. He felt like Ben Roethlisberger let him out to dry. And because that, he asked for a trade. I get it. I wouldn't have rewarded him during the season. I'd have done exactly what the Steelers did. They took care of business there. And now let's see if he can make his life better in Oakland. But this is what we do in the sports media industry. We hear something, we pick up on something, and we just drive it to the ground. We hammer that shiz home. And unfortunately, in this circumstance, the shiz we hammered home was about a guy who's had a checkered past and a bad reputation before and now was just getting smacked upside the head by everyone who had a talk show in this country. Football peeps, local peeps, I'm sure Oakland peeps, all killing the dude. You know what that does? It makes his family think that he's let them down yet again. But he hadn't. If this report is to be believed. And I'm going to lean with my heart here and I'm going to hope that it is. We got Tim Benz coming up at 5 o'clock here on the Crowley Show. Also, Phil Steele, if you didn't catch our interview with him yesterday, I'm always thinking about college football at this time of the year. And not much else going on. So we'll hear from Phil Steele today coming up at 5.20. Just before our unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined, where we'll hear... Baker Mayfield go one-on-one with Colin Cowherd and hold his own. And then some. FYI, Browns are making the playoffs this year. Baker Mayfield's got a beard. He looks like a pro. Game on. Do you have something to add there, Tom?
1: No, I completely agree. That's a winner's beard.
0: Yes, it is. Remember when Katy Perry wanted some of Baker Mayfield? No, I didn't. Yeah, on college game day, she was talking about how hot Baker was.
1: That is so Katy Perry. She's just so irrelevant now. She does whatever. She says whatever she can to try to throw herself into the
0: headlines. Irrelevant? Sure. If I'm Baker, I was probably reaching out. No. Are you kidding me? You're
1: Baker Mayfield. You're the number one pick in the NFL draft. You can do better, bro.
0: He didn't know he was the number one pick in the NFL draft at that point. He knew. He knew. No, he knew. Yeah, he knew. I'm going to the beach tomorrow, so I'll put this up on the Twitter poll. haven't done it yet, but when you go to the beach, you rep your squad, I think the answer is 100% yes. I will be wearing Mountaineer gear from head to toe, and then on Saturday when I'm in Baltimore for a wedding, I will have my Pittsburgh Penguins hat on so I can tell all those Washington Capital bandwagon bastards to F off. Oh, we won the Cup. Well, you didn't. And you're from Baltimore. So eat me. Coming up next, he's Rob Rossi. He's the man now over at the Pittsburgh City Paper. Maybe I'll be joining him. Damn it. We've got an announcement that's coming up next. And I'll ask him about the NHL awards last night. Yes, that's what we're talking about today on the show. The NHL Awards. TSP in Pittsburgh. Only two hours and uh, two more seconds here. 39 minutes till I get to leave for vacation. Not that I'm counting. Not that I don't want to be here. But I'm counting and don't want to be here. Rob Rossi, Pittsburgh City Paper, the editor, joins us here on the Crowley Show. Rob, how are you today? I'm pretty
2: good, Adam. How are you?
0: I'm good. I saw you already today.
2: You did. Should we break the big news?
0: Let's break the big news. We got... Wait a second. We got it. We got it right here. You want want to go or should I go? Well, I mean... You I'm your probably, boss, yeah, so you I'll just upload how I
2: go. So, uh, starting in, for our July issue that comes out on July, I believe, 11th, uh, we will be having a guest sports columnist contribute on a regular basis, and that would be one of Mr. Adam Crowley. Woo!
0: Uh-huh. Yeah! I'm excited about this, Rossi.
2: You know, I just saw an email from you, am instantly regretting this decision, because I didn't realize your, your written written um word was so challenging but that's okay we can work on
1: that yeah it,
0: it's not good i don't know uh yeah. when when were you doing the homework today after i left
2: yeah that's okay that's okay we'll, we'll talk about it i mean i we are gonna have to enroll you back at wvu to get you a basic uh grammar and punctuation course but look these are small
0: things well punctuation is an issue for me i, I tend to throw commas <laughs> around like uh just haphazardly i don't know i don't know what a comma is i just put them in all the time
2: Oh, you'll fit right in then.
0: Very good, uh, Rob Rossi joining us here on the Crowley Show. Now I'm very self conscious. I don't know what to do with the rest of the interview. <laughs> I'm sweating bullets.
2: Um, I'm 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 uh, I'm enthused by this decision of mine already. Yeah. But no, I'm very excited to have you aboard. As you know, I've been a big fan of yours for a while. I like I like your show. I like your view of. Uh, sort of the unreality of sports, so um, I think this will be exciting. Look, they were just giving away columns to everybody in town, and since I had one, I figured you you were kind of next in line. But, um, you know, like I said, you could work for the other guys, but
0: they don't have me, so. That's the selling point because you're (laughs) you're the guy who will hire me despite the haphazard commas. Yes, right. Just don't
2: ever use two exclamation points because I try to tell people, I don't like exclamation points, and I definitely don't like two exclamation points. And so the the thing you need to remember is when President Kennedy was shot, on the headlines the next day there was two exclamation points used, and that's the bar. Whoa. Unless it's the equivalent of the president being assassinated, it doesn't require multiple exclamation points.
0: (laughs) Well, I am an exclamation point guy uh, in email. That doesn't matter, though, right?
2: No, not at all. Okay. And don't worry, I, I've made I've made worse writers than you look good. Many of them have their own businesses.
0: Uh, I do wonder. Did you Did you actually do some scouting after I left? Is that that really happened?
2: Are uh, you know, you're calling me a
0: liar? Uh, well, I I was just hoping you hadn't read anything. <laughs> that was it. Uh, Rob, you voted. Anyway, you voted for the NHL awards. Uh, yes. Who did you vote for the Hart Trophy recipient?
2: Uh, I believe uh, Taylor Hall was my number one. I did not vote for Conor McDavid. He was not on my ballot. I had Evgeny Malkin, I believe. Um, I'm sorry. I had uh, Taylor Hall first and uh, Andre Kopitar second and Evgeny Malkin third. Uh, I think I had Nate McKinnon fourth. And uh, I want to say I had Alex Ovechkin fifth. I'd have to go back and see if I did give Alex my fifth vote, but uh, it's based on the regular season. I know all of our votes were public. I think there's a place you can go find them. Um, it was a difficult vote. I remember talking to you about this. I think I had like seven ballots before I chose yeah. one, and I could have made a candidate a candidate uh, as the top vote getter for a lot of people. Um, to me, the Jersey Devils made the playoffs because of Taylor Hall. Um you know, and I thought Anze Kopitar had. I thought he was the best two way player in hockey this year, and I thought the Kings don't make the playoffs without him. I don't think the Penguins make the playoffs without Evgeny Malkin going off for um, what that two month stretch. I think we'll I think we'll look back on that and and maybe take it for granted of just how close they were to missing the postseason, and just how dominant their best players needed to be this year: Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. Uh, in terms of point producers for them to really get in. And I think that, honestly, I think that, Adam, I think that really foreshadows the next week in the Penguins' history because, you know, Jim Rutherford does not have as much room for error as I think a lot of people think. Uh, this team was very close to beating the eventual Stanley Cup champions this year. They were also close to missing the playoffs because of their depth issues. And, you know, it, they were pretty fortunate in terms of injuries with those three players uh, you know, those players for the most part were able to play in, you know, ninety five percent of the games. Um, <laughs> you know, that's something I don't think you can keep counting on as they continue to age into their thirties. Uh, I think Jim rutherford has got some real interesting decisions to make, not only regarding Kessel and Latang and would he move either one of them, but I don't think if they would move one of those players you're necessarily looking at a trade that gets you back something significant in return as much as it might get you back some cap relief and allow you to restock a system where most of the good players are up here already.
0: Yeah, I understand that. I do think that the point that you made previously, though, about how good the Penguins' big three needed to be for them to make the playoffs this year and how healthy they needed to be to make the playoffs this year is a good one. I kind of touched on it in the first segment, Rob. That's why I'd lean towards not trading Phil Kessel. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think if you move Phil Kessel, you're in you're in danger of not having a great power play, uh, which is something yeah. that they would not have made the playoffs. If they didn't have a good power play last year, the best power play in franchise history. In fact, and a lot of that ran through Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, look, I I would be one to take Kessel and Chris Letang and say I'd be one to bring both of them back if I were Jim Rutherford and say look. Um, Three years ago, we won the Stanley Cup with this group. Two years ago, we won the Stanley Cup with this group. Latang was injured. You know, if we assume that Chris is going to come back after having a full off season of, you know, building back his body, uh, no, no, no rush, so to speak. Look, you know what you're going to get from Kessel. <laughs> I mean, you know, he may not get along with Mike Sullivan, but I mean, I don't care about that. Um, I don't think Kessel dogs it on the ice. He's a point producer. He's a goal scorer. He's a guy that can play with a multitude of different types of players. Um, to me, you're closer to winning the Stanley Cup with those four than you are without. But I think the question you have to ask yourself if your management here is, do you take one more big swing at this with this group, or do you try to tinker a little bit now, look at this year as what can we get out of it, and maybe build for you know, two or three more cracks after that. You may only have – I think it's the idea of what's your window. Is it this year? We really can win it this year. Or is it we can win it this year, but we want to try to make sure that for the last three years of the crosby Malkin era that we know are contractually guaranteed we have a real shot. And let's not forget, we have a looming labor situation coming up here. And, you know, that'll be here quicker than we think for, the, I believe, the uh, 2021 season. So, Adam, you have to keep that in mind, too. Like, will that get in the way as well? So, I just don't know right now, if you're Jim Rutherford, how you make a convincing argument to move one of those players for talent that might not help right away. And that's the only type of talent I think you're going to get in return.
0: This is an easier question than answered after the next couple of weeks here, after the first week of free agency and after the draft starts tomorrow night. But do you think, if you're a betting man, the Penguins will win one more championship in the Crosby-Malkin era?
2: Yes. I said going into this season, if they would repeat it, that was it. I, I kind of thought that would just exhaust them in a way that they couldn't maneuver the roster. I think, I think there is a possibility for... A couple of more. I'm not saying they will, but I think there's still a possibility that by the end of the Crosby Malkin era, there could be, you know, five championships on their resume. Partly because look, Sid signed really long term. Evgeny signed through, you know, for this season and then three plus more. At no point are you th- those two are going to retire as Penguins. Mary Lemieux is not going to go through the Yager situation again with. Evgeny Malkin, he never wants to repeat that. Sidney Crosby's going to be here, um, you know, forever. Um, I could see a situation where even <laughs> after that Evgeny signs a, a sort of a, a short-term deal to play into this franchise into his late 30s, and they'll still be really good players, but, but it will be a different team by then. Um, the Penguins have to think about this right now. Are they in a position with where they're at in terms of their – their their system, right? You know, we've seen the Rusks and the, those elk come up. Who is that next wave? Is there a wave, or is it just a couple of players? The the Shiro era ended um, because they hadn't won the championship enough, and probably deservedly so. But when we look back, that system had a lot of players really close to breaking through. The third challenge, and and look, I I have no reason to doubt him on this, is to make sure that he gets that system to have more than one or two guys because what the Penguins can't afford to be in is where they're counting on one prospect to hit, and that's the only option they have.
0: Right. I mean, if you look at it right now, they're hoping on Zach Aston reese and Daniel Sprong, and they're hoping those guys can come in and, and do what we saw the Sherry's and the Rust in a different capacity almost, but what they did... Uh, the last couple of years. For me, if this, quote-unquote, and I hate this phrase, but I'm going to say it anyway Anyway, for lack of a better phrase, that this window, uh, if they want to keep winning, even as Crosby and Malkin's powers start to diminish, I think Matt Murray's going to have to be the guy yeah. that they wanted him to be those first two years. If he can be the star, if he can be a Vezina-caliber-type goalie, well then, yeah, I think they can get it done. If not, then I think it is going to be a challenge, uh, apart from maybe this next year. I think
2: even if it's this next year, there's a strong likelihood that Matt Murray will have to be the Penguins' best player in the playoffs for them to win the Stanley Cup. Because as you've seen, like can we realistically expect better from Sidney Crosby than he had? this season? I mean, can, I mean, Evgeny Malkin was injured, but I mean, look, can we expect better of Evgeny Malkin? Yes. But even if you had better of Evgeny Malkin, even if you had the Malkin of two years ago, where he was the leading scorer in the playoffs and really the Penguins' most consistent producer of points game-in and game out. even if you had the Malkin of three years ago where he was basically playing with one functioning arm and was still putting up points, even if you had that, would it be enough? No. If you had that and you had Matt Murray playing at the level that Matt Murray played at two previous years, I'm not putting this all on him, by the way. They were a they were train wreck defensively. But... If they're a little bit better defensively, and Matt Murray's more like the Matt Murray, I think he will be. This was an incredibly difficult year for him in a lot of levels. I think Matt Murray has a real chance next year to be a finalist for the Vesna, because I think he's going to come back with a real determination to shut everybody up. But, yeah, he's going to have to be their best player. The future of Pittsburgh Penguin hockey at its highest level is Matt Murray more than it is Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, because we know what they can do. I still don't think we know what Matt can do, because I still think there's a couple of levels he can reach that are better than what we've seen, and what we've seen is already pretty good.
0: Rob, last couple of things here for you. You talked about, before on the show, uh, Evgeny Malkin in the handshake line with Alexander Ovechkin, mm-hmm. The Penguins not winning the Cup, I think, is obviously a big motivation. I think that there was some hunger lacking this year, and not maybe outwardly they were thinking about this, but I think in the back of their mind, it's October. It doesn't seem to matter anywhere near as much as uh, being the Stanley Cup champions. Uh, You kind of do think that eventually your game can just rise to the occasion because you've done it for the last couple of years. So the question is, do you think that the Penguins can get that quote unquote hunger back just by watching the Capitals hoist the cup, or do you think that they need to get a little bit of new blood in there uh, to help facilitate that?
2: I'm always a fan of new blood um, because I think we've just seen evidence of it over the years with with this group of how much better they are when they have some different dynamic. Let's not forget they didn't win again until they brought a guy like Kessel in, and, and did he add an on ice element? Yes, but you know what he brought to that room in terms of getting everybody to sort of. Not treat everything like life or death. I think was significant. I think the danger. Look, I think one of the big mistakes of the Shiro era was they kept doing these small time, small deals with guys for one or two years, and you know it ended up really putting them up against the cap. I think the Penguins they have to make hard decisions on guys like Brian Rust. Uh, do you move a guy like a Connor Sherry? Um, I think those are the type of decisions you have to make. Maybe maybe even a guy like a Justin Trots. Like, do you, do you, is there value in him for what you can get back? Because to me, and I'm not thinking we got any of those players, but to me what was evident this year was it was never the veterans that were the problem. It was, mm-hmm. I don't think the guys that had been here for the previous two cup runs who had sort of joined up for that, Adam, I think they're the ones that we saw their game wasn't consistent. and Maybe they got a little too comfortable, and I think that's who Mike Sullivan's going to have to crack the whip on. I mean, let's face it. Um, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and even Chris Letang and Phil Kessel have earned the right to show up whenever they want to and start playing like the big boys that they are. Those other guys, they have a long way to go. And that, and that even includes a Jake Gensel, by the way. Fantastic in the playoffs, but they had an up-and-down season.
0: He just needs a Rob Rossi mentor-like figure in his life to help him with the rough-around-the-edges part. What do you say?
2: Maybe they- stirring the pot a little. Maybe that's what they lacked. You know, I went easy on them this year. Maybe I need to just go in there and light a few fireworks.
0: Well, maybe we'll both do it. How about that?
2: (laughs) Well, that will win you no influence with friends, but I'm up for it.
0: I don't need friends. I've got you. (laughs) I've got Tom. I've got Brian. We're good. Uh, No, you've got me. Well, that's true. Tom and Brian, they can't be counted on. Uh, Appreciate the time, as always, man. Look forward to it, employee. It's got a nice ring to it. All right, be careful out there. Have a nice weekend. Hey, wait, are you doing the show tomorrow? We don't know yet. I'll let you know soon. He's gone. Awkward a little bit at the end there? Is that what happened? I don't know. I don't think
1: he wants to do the show.
0: I don't think he wants to do the show either. I'm sorry, Adam. Didn't hear you there. Call drop. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert. Brian's out of town. Uh, He makes the decisions around here. Uh, I'm going out of town tomorrow. I don't know who's filling in for me.
1: It says you on the schedule.
0: Well, that's too bad. It's not me.
1: Maybe it will be. Maybe it'll be
0: like an all-star show. Oh, we could just play back a bunch of great interviews. I mean, I have so in many interviews from. Why don't you just play the other crap hottest takes of the day? Just stack them on top you of, of each other. Just stack them on top of each other. That's not bad. The people would listen for that. You know what? Why don't you just go on
1: vacation? I'll decide.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to give it zero thoughts after 7 o'clock. None. Tim Menz will be joining us in 22 minutes here on the Crowley Show. Coming up next... People are still trying to save baseball. They're trying to save it. But the numbers indicate that, my God, it's beyond saving. And we're going to talk about the beach because that's what's on my mind. It's a show. I was watching the World Cup on Fox. And I haven't turned the TV off or changed the channel. And apparently Jerry Springer still a thing.
1: And I'm riveted. Didn't you just hear the ad, the Zip LLC ad? It They just decided it's canceled. Please. Just now, during this last break. What are you talking about? Jerry Springer, it's done. Wait, are you freaking serious? I'm 100% serious. Wait, and did that really just go down that, one that way? Of the last ads, the Zip LLC poll that usually plays. Jerry Springer, no more. What the hell? So enjoy a, it while it lasts.
0: I'm watching two large... Human beings and one uh, very ginger redhead man make out in front of a live studio audience as another woman's getting held back by the cops.
1: How is this going out here How is, this, how is this getting canceled? No wonder it's lasted so long in the first place, first of all.
0: Well, this kind of sucks, actually, because I had a friend in college who wound up working there now. Broadcasting school at West Virginia University puts people on AM radio in Pittsburgh and at the doorstep of Jerry Springer, wherever the hell they film that. Maury Povich or Jerry Springer? Which one do you prefer? Jerry Springer. You ever, whenever you were sick and young, you ever just watch it all day? Like when you're home from school? I used to do that all the time.
1: The All be- the time. The best part about Jerry Springer is you never plan to watch Jerry Springer. No. Jerry Springer just kind of finds you, and yeah. then you're just enthralled for the hour. Yeah. I'm never going to look for it. But never. But if it is on the TV, I am i don't think I'm changing the channel. It's impossible to. I mean, what you just described, what was it? There's two people making out a, a fat and a redheaded ginger? Yep. A redheaded ginger.
0: Yeah, I was a little redundant there. Uh, I was also a little redundant saying a large person on Jerry Springer. I mean, that's just the way it goes down. You know what, though? Now that I notice this, and you know, take this for what it's worth, but I'm looking at the crowd of the Jerry Springer audience, and in a world where there's a racial divide the way that there is in this country, Jerry's done a really good job of uniting people. There's a lot of black people, a lot of white people, a lot of brown people in the crowd. Good for you, Jerry. And now he's got an ad for Life Alert? He's a good dude. He brings our country together, and now he's off the air. Oh, boy. 4129-222-874. 4129 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We're going to save baseball in a few moments. But last night, Pittsburgh flooded. The South Hills flooded, and this happened.
1: I just seen a TV
0: go by. That was somebody from Pittsburgh saying, I just seen a TV go by.
1: I just seen a TV go by. TV go
0: by. You know what you didn't see on it? Jerry Springer, because it's canceled. Yesterday was awful. Awful. My wife got stuck in it. We live in the South Hills. Tom lives in the South Hills. If I was in college and that was happening, I'd have taken a case of beer outside and found a way to slip and slide all over the damn neighborhood. It would have been tremendous. It didn't happen. Actually, on 4th of July, oh man, maybe 8 or 9 years ago, I was hammered drunk. Hammer drunk. Don't even think I was 21 yet. So kids, don't do that at home. And I was running around in the rain, and I just hurled everywhere. That's a great thing about the rain, though. It can hide your sins, cleanse your sins, baptism by rain. Should we save baseball now? Please. Do I have to talk about sports? I just want to talk about Jerry Springer and throwing up in the rain. I saw this today, Bob Nightingale, USA Today. The average time between balls put in play, according to Sports Illustrated, is a staggering three minutes and 45 seconds. That's four minutes I'm going to round up between pitches that are put in play in Major League Baseball. What the hell are you going to do to fix that? Are you going to speed up the game by putting a pitch clock in? Maybe that helps a little bit. Maybe that picks up the action, but the pitchers are just so good and the hitters are focusing on only hitting home runs and taking walks that you're going to see strikeout rates go up. You're going to see walks go up, and you're just not going to see balls put in play, and I don't see that trend turning around. Maybe you move the mound back. Maybe you lower the mound even more. Baseball tried to save themselves, and they did to an extent in the late 60s. But now, to me, it's just something that I'm not going to put on unless I have to, and I do because it's my job. I just think baseball is beyond saving. Uh, you can try those things, but baseball is inherently slow. I say this all the time on this show, and I say it probably every segment at 440 for the last week and a half. But all I hear conversation-wise is, should the designated hitter be adopted in the NL? Should they add a pitch clock? Should they get rid of the shift? But to me, it's just all futile. You can't change the game of baseball. You can't make baseball not baseball. You can't take the boredom out of baseball. That's the reality. Baseball is inherently boring like football is inherently violent. If you take the hitting out of hockey, it ceases to be hockey the way we know it. If you speed baseball up, all it is is a faster form of what a lot of people are already saying is too boring. I don't think you change it. I think you make it boring but faster. I think instead of being bored in 3 hours and 10 minutes, you're bored in 2 hours and 47 minutes. Although, there is this. A lot of people find soccer boring. Soccer is really good at being boring for an hour and 50 minutes. Every World Cup game has been over in less than 2 hours. That's exceptional. That's the length a sporting event should be. Like If you're watching a weeknight sporting event, an hour and 50 minutes is perfect. I got work the next day. I got to take out the trash. I got to milk the dog. Give it to me in bite size. But even then, if there's 162 baseball games, I just don't think there's a solution. One of the questions is, though, is there too much analytics? And all the analytics people are going to freak out about that one. Well, you can't just ignore intelligence. You can't. But at the same time, shifting does make it harder to put the ball in play. Or to, pardon me, have exciting moments where the ball is put in play. Analytics are telling you where to put the baseball if you're the jerk. Uh, Before, there's film study, and that helps, certainly, but you've got now hot-cold charts. You know everything about exit velocity, and I'm never for diminishing information. I'm never for saying, don't use information. I hate that. The world is flat. Well, no, it's not. We we know enough about the world and the universe to know that the world's not flat. Global warming's a hoax. Well, no, it's not. We know enough now to suggest that there is global warming, and it's man-made. You shouldn't just deny information. You shouldn't just put that toothpaste back in the tube, but in fact you can't. And that might be the bigger issue. But sometimes information it can hurt. Case in point. When I was younger, I always used to say, as long as I know that there's a Santa Claus, of course there's a God. My parents are telling me that Santa delivers presents every damn Christmas Eve, and I wake up in the morning to an eaten cookie and the carrots are gone because Santa Claus exists. And if Santa Claus exists, of course there's a God. Well, and if there are kids in the car, turn it off. Turn the radio off. I'll give you five seconds before I spoil something here. Three, two, one. When I found out Santa didn't exist, my entire world shattered. When I got smarter, when the information got into my brain that there was no longer a Santa Claus, I started to think, holy crap. There might be just eternal darkness when we all die. I might be buried in a six-by-six box for the rest of my non-existence. I thought I was going to be running around in heaven with all my grandparents. Eh, It still might. But now I question it. Information in baseball is good because information is always good. You want to be smart. But it might not be the best thing for the game. We know more about these players than we ever have before. We know more about tendencies than we ever had before. And yet the game's suffering because of it. Just like now, I'm nihilistic Crowley because I found out Santa doesn't exist. Coming up next, Tim Benz. Breakfast with Benz in the mornings, every day. He's a vampire, he's undead. It's a Crowley show. I you
2: seen a TV go by?